Um, we're in a series called Basic, uh, and, and maybe not the definition you're used to when it comes to the word basic, but we're talking about the basics of Christianity, the fundamental, foundational stuff of what it means to be a Christian, what it means to be a Christ follower. I say in here uh, like a lot that I hope you don't walk out of the door without looking a little bit more like Jesus. So this Basic series is kind of how to do that. What does it mean to look like Jesus if I've never even tried? This is kind of the, some of the first steps. So we talked about worship a few weeks ago. Uh, we answered some questions. Why, when, and how do we worship? The answer was because he deserves it. That's why we worship um, all the time despite our circumstances. That's when we worship um, in spirit and in truth. You know, focusing on God, a genuinely pursuing God. That's how we worship. Uh, and then we talked about the Trinity, which is like a really deep thing, but it's cool to understand, to kind of acknowledge it at least. That's a better word for the Trinity because we're not going to understand it. But we can acknowledge it and kind of learn some of the fundamental stuff about what the Trinity is. That our God is one being in three persons. The Father, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They're all equally God, but they're all equally one, which is a weird way to say things. But uh, the word Trinity means tri-unity. It means three-one. So that's very confusing. Um, but we talked about the forward lean of the Bible. God's always suggesting the next thing, the next way he's going to reveal himself. We talked about how uh, we can understand God to the same degree a sculpture can understand the artist. And that's not an excuse to stop trying to understand God, but it hopefully it's a little comforting that if you don't totally get it, that's okay. You weren't meant to totally get it. You can't totally understand God. And last week, we talked about money, which is just so fun. Um, we talked about the portion of money that God asked for 10%, uh, no less than 10%. That's the word tithe means 10%. We talked about the place, what your storehouse, biblically it would be called the storehouse, the temple, uh, what that means for you. We talked about the purpose, like why does God want our money, want our money? And it's because, you know, he doesn't need our money. Like he could, bread crumb and fish the bank account you know that's a churchy reference you know because he multiplied some fish and bread but he can do that with money like he doesn't need your nickels and dimes but he knows that if we give our money when we sacrifice our wallet that he's on his way to getting our heart to like actually having us completely surrender to him so that's that's why he asked for our money because he wants ourselves he wants our heart and our love and that's why he asked for our money and then the fourth one was plus and it was just the speed the light idea and what an offering is well the offering that we give in here um that goes towards speed the light and missionary or missionary work all over the world we talked about how to get creative and and what it means to have a burden on your heart to give to missions and and so that's pretty cool so tonight we're going to get something a little more difficult. It's like still very basic, but it may be something that you deal with forever as a, a follower of Jesus. Uh, and that's having a deep and daily relationship with Jesus. A deep and daily relationship. And it's the things that Christians do to uh, stay close to God. And they're called spiritual disciplines. We're talking about basic discipline tonight. Spiritual disciplines. And these are the things that Christians do to connect with God. And we talk about having an apex moment with God. And some of these things will get you to a place where you're ready for God to take you on the mountain. Take you up to the mountain to have an experience, feel his presence. Uh, and sometimes we'll do that, you know, out of nowhere. But sometimes you have to do... Th- the work up front. This quote, I love this quote. It comes up all the time when we talk about apex moments. And it says, mountaintop experiences often emerge from the regular spiritual disciplines of our lives. Don't expect God to show up in your life in dramatic ways if you don't show up before him in faithful, consistent ways. Disciplines, spiritual disciplines are those faithful, consistent ways that you show up before God. 
And the three that we're going to talk about, I've heard this described as like a three-legged stool. And uh, the three stools of a Christian's life, the three legs of the stool of a Christian's life are prayer, uh, Bible reading, and Christian friendships. And I would love to use these stools, but everyone in here has four legs, and that just falls apart. In I mean, the stool is sturdy, but my metaphor does not be sturdy. Oh, the drum throne. That's great. So we have the drum throne of a Christian's life is held up by prayer, Bible reading, and Christian friendships. So those are the three things we're going to talk about. Um, we've talked about, if you've been here long, maybe you haven't, we've talked about your 10 and 10. And what that means is uh, 10 minutes every single day, you should have a 10 and 10. 10 minutes where you spend in prayer and 10 minutes reading the Bible. And that's kind of a good baseline, a place to start. Um, I know some Christians that spend an hour in prayer every single day. Blows my mind. I've never, well, I probably have like once or twice, but like that's not a regular discipline in my life to pray for an hour every day or read 18 books of the Bible. That's not Pastor Chris. Uh, but I know people that do that. And this 10 and 10 is a great place to start um, with getting spiritual disciplines a handle on spiritual disciplines. And we'll talk about consistency. Um, and, and that's really what we're after. We're after uh, a regular regularly showing up before God in faithful, consistent ways. So we got the 10 and 10. And then the third thing is Christian friendships because it's just friendships are just so, so important to the Christian life and, and having good friendships. And we'll talk about that a little bit. Um, we're going to talk about each of these disciplines independently. So we're going to start with leg number one uh, in prayer and this is what it means to pray. Why prayer is important because communication is important in every relationship, right? You hear like, that's like the go to, like the key to a good relationship is communication. Um, like my re- relationship with a parent, a relationship with a best friend, a relationship with a girlfriend, not a relationship with a best friend's girlfriend. No, that's not okay. But, uh, um, but communication is important in all of your relationships. And uh, we can see that in the Bible. Philippians 4.6 says, Do not be anxious about every anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. With everything, pray. You can go to God with this stuff. The, the Bible calls the Holy Spirit our advocate. The Greek word is paraclete. And that, if you said that to a Greek person, they would understand that word means something like we would understand advocate or counselor or comforter. Like these are the things that the, Holy, the Bible calls the Holy Spirit. Um, and this word, I love that this word, this verse uses the word anxious because that's so, so relevant to a world where anxiety is like a buzzword and it's something that's rapidly growing in, in Generation Z, which many of you fall in. Um, anxiety is very, very real and I do not have the cure for anxiety and no old church person that says you need to pray more has the cure for anxiety either just say thank you i appreciate that bye because <laughs> um, i just don't believe that that's it i think that that's a great thing to do that that when you're feeling anxious you probably should be praying more i don't necessarily think it's a cure um but the one thing that i can say to, while we pause to talk about anxiety is when you are feeling anxious when you are feeling um stressed when you are feeling like panicky. The only thing I can say, I've never experienced that, so don't take this from someone who's experienced it, but I've had interactions with people that have, and the only thing that I've ever seen have any success is Thanksgiving. When you're feeling anxious, when you're feeling um, overwhelmed, out of control, 
Think about the things you're thankful for. I read a book this year called The 4-8 Principle, and I preached on it on a Sunday morning months ago. And it was all about um, replacing thoughts. You can't, you know, battle off negative thoughts. But what you can do is replace them with positive thoughts. That's so, so, so important. Replacing negative thoughts with positive thoughts. And this next verse is cool. First Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 says, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. That's why I think this thanksgiving is so important. It's not just for me. The Bible says, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. When you're feeling overwhelmed, panicky, stressed out, anxious, go to God and and list the things you're thankful for. List the people who love you. List the things that happened this week that you're excited about. Show God that you're thankful. What I also love about this verse is it says, pray continually. Uh, another translation says, pray without ceasing. I love that. Constant prayer. Like, 20, can you just say, like, I prayed 12 hours today. <laughs> like, that's you're not on your face, like, in a worship service for 12 hours. Not that you can't do that. But, like, if you're in, praying without ceasing, you're in, like, constant conversation with God. Every... Uh, there was a time where, like, well, okay, well, I'm an, I started as an only child for like seven years. I have some little brothers, but they're far away from me, so I have traits of an only child. And one of those traits, if you're an only child and you talk to yourself, let me hear you say, yeah. <laughs> um, you don't have to say, yeah, it's okay. Um, only People who are only children tend to talk to themselves because they are alone. <laughs> and it sounds sad, but like that's something I always did. Um, so I remember a time in college where I was like, man, I just like walked to class all day and just talk to myself as I'm walking and I talk, list all the things I have to do and like my mind is just trying to stay busy. And then I was like, so what if I were to take that time and pray? Like that changed everything for me. And, and I don't have a time where I'm regularly like walking to class anymore. When I drive, I listen to podcasts, which is often, you know, sermons or, or Christian material, but uh, replacing my idle thoughts with prayer. So, like, if you spent your time walking to your next class and your next school year, if you spent your class time, your time walking to class praying, how much does that add up to? Because it's probably 20 minutes. It's probably half an hour or so. If you were to just pray during the time that you're walking to class or, like, when you're taking a break. If you're like, listen, when I walk to class, I walk from my bedroom to the kitchen, right, because you're homeschooled. <laughs> and some of you are like, I don't even get it. That's because you're not homeschooled. And that's okay. Um, but like if you were to take the, your breaks and just take a five-minute – like mark a, like a, a timer or something and just like set aside time to pray without ceasing. But I digress. Here's a couple – well, I guess I already started talking about this. Prayer tips. Um, start small. The important thing is that you just start. Start to pray. Start to talk to God. Um there are lots of like acronyms you can use to like guide you through your prayer. The one I use is the word pray. It's very, very convenient. Um, P-R-A-Y. I give praise. I, I tell God what I'm thankful for. I thank him for who he is, for what he's done, for my day yesterday, for the, the situations that are going to work out because he's good. Um, R is repent. Like I will go through my day yesterday and try to remember every time I sinned. <laughs> like that can be difficult to like get into that habit, but I think it's a great thing. The Bible talks about repentance. It's important to do. Um, so praise, repent, ask is the A. So I will just, add, you know, these are my prayer requests. These are your prayer requests often when I'll pray for in this A segment. And the Y is yield, uh, which has been so, so like transform, transformative for me because I like to do things in my own power. I'm kind of a control freak. So like when I, every single day, pray to God, take this from me. I can't do anything good. <laughs> like well, I, I can do some things all right, but like with you, they're immeasurable. Like they're way, way better with you. So uh, I, every day I yield this especially. 
especially, Apex especially, something that I need to yield to God. So P-R-A-Y has helped me a lot. There's a lot of acronyms out there. You could look that up. Um, be yourself. Like, be genuine. There's no need to impress anybody when you're talking to God. Like, when you're praying, you're just talking to a friend. Um, somebody said, I don't remember where I read it, but someone said they put a chair in front of them, like an empty chair. And they pray to an empty chair. Like, they imagine Jesus sitting in the chair. And it's not like you're talking to an imaginary friend, but it can help you stay focused if you put an empty chair in front of you. Um, praying out loud has helped me in the past. Like, I'm quick to get distracted sometimes when I'm praying in my head. So praying out loud has definitely helped me keep my focus. Um, I've said this before, where if I am praying in my head and my thoughts wander, I will use that to guide my prayer. So if I, like, start thinking about a meeting that I have to go to, I'll say, God, bless that meeting. I start thinking about some other thing that's stressing me out. I think God, you know, put your blessing on that thing. So that's something that I've done. Something really helpful to make a consistent prayer life uh, is to make a schedule. Make it like know what times a day you're going to pray. So like um, I pray in the morning in the shower and then a lot of times like at night I'll pray. Twice a week I come into this room and I have a set of time that I pray. Um, So make a schedule. Make it predictable and not And sometimes you might need to change something so that it just feels fresh. But like when you're trying to get consistent, make it predictable. Make it consistent um, because that will go a long way. Sometimes uh, it can be helpful to pray from close to far. So like I'll pray for myself and then my family and then my ministry and then our community and then the world, you know what I'm saying? Close to far. Um, I've prayed for different days. I'll pray for different things. So like in, in college, I did this where Monday I was, oh, I don't remember, praying for school, I think. Tuesday, I prayed for missions. Uh, Wednesday, I think I prayed for, well, Sunday, I prayed for churches. Friday, I prayed for uh, friends, you know, something like that. Get your get a schedule together where you know that each day you're going to pray for these particular things. It can definitely help you. Um, the Bible uses the word prayer closet. Now you don't need to like lock yourself in a closet, but you can <laughs> like get a place for prayer that can really, really help you. Uh, that movie just came out. Am I right? The war room. Is that okay? I didn't see it, but the idea is this person literally has a room where they do their prayer and they call it the war room. Cause that's where they're going to be doing their prayer. And that's, that can really, really help you get consistent in prayer. Um, Think quality over quantity. Think like if I spend an hour where I'm nodding off every 10 minutes, <laughs> like that, if I spend like two minutes praying and then fall asleep for 45 minutes and then wake up and pray again for another minute, like you could say you prayed for 47 minutes, but you didn't. Like a, a like if you spend 10 minutes focused on God, five minutes actually thinking about Jesus, think quality over quantity. Um there are apps that can help you pray. Echo is—is is that correct? Echo Prayer is a really good one. Um, maybe you use the Notes app and you journal your prayer. Journaling can really, really help you uh, get a consistent prayer life. Pray through Scripture. Like if you find a cool promise in Scripture about God taking care of His people, put your name in there and talk about how God is praying is going to be blessing you specifically. Um, careful when you do that because it can be—you know—you can definitely do some bad things by doing that. But like if it's a promise that you can tell is for all people, uh, all of God's people, or, you know, he'll take care of you. Those kinds of verses, you know what I'm talking about. Put your name in there. Cause that can really be a cool thing. Pray with other people. This is huge. Um, that has helped me immensely by being accountable to someone else in my prayer. We'll talk about that again soon, but prayer is such an important part of your relationship with Jesus. And, um, something that I want to hit on now that will come up again, that God doesn't want you to feel guilty about not praying. This is something I dealt with a lot as a teen. Um, when I was a teen, (laughs) um, 
I, I felt guilty. Like, I just knew, like, a youth pastor telling me that I was supposed to be praying, and I just wasn't. I, I was just talking to a friend, like, a month ago, and I said, he was such a good friend, because he tried to keep me accountable. He would text me, did you read your Bible this week? And I would ignore him, because <laughs> I didn't, and I just didn't want to own up to it. Um, and I'm just, I so regret that, because that was such a good thing that he was trying to do, that I, I should have been there for him, and, and that, it can help you. Um, to stay accountable. It's a great, great thing. Um, but don't feel guilty when you don't miss this, when you we don't get this right. Um, you may feel conviction and you may have heard those words, guilt and conviction. And, and I'd make a distinction because I believe conviction is from God. Conviction is the Holy Spirit, you know, talking to you and saying, Hey, this is something you got to get right. But I think that guilt is from the devil. The guilt is evil and guilt will, um, freeze you. In, in wrong. You know what I mean? Like guilt will, will say there's nothing you can do. You already messed it up. It's over. And that's what guilt is. But conviction spurs you into action. Conviction makes you want to fix it where guilt convinces you that you can't. So that's really a, a distinction that I want to make that God may be convicting you, but don't feel guilty about this stuff because you have an opportunity to fix it. Start tonight. Start this week. Work toward getting prayer as a part of your life because it's so, so important. So we're going to talk about, um, we went, we're going from prayer to reading the Bible. Reading the Bible is also so important because again, communication is key and, and prayer is one of the huge ways that you communicate to God. And I believe that he does speak to us and there are times where he communicates to us through prayer. But the primary way that God communicates is through his word. Cause like we talked last week about, um, when you believe you hear something from God, like the only thing we are sure that he said is in the Bible. <laughs> so if he says something to you, you believe he has a message for you that contradicts the Bible, you better get your ears checked because you misheard. Um, he definitely speaks to us, but what we are so, what we can count on that he said is the Bible. Um, I heard somebody say, don't say God is silent when your Bible is closed. <laughs> people will say, like, I pray all the time, but God never speaks to me. He wrote you a stinking book that people say is too long. I almost said friggin'. <laughs> but then I stopped myself because, like, that's a potty word. But he wrote you a book. <laughs> he wrote you a whole book. He's spoken to you. Pick it up. Look at it. Because it applies to you. This is Second uh, Timothy 3.16. says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. The book, the book that God wrote is useful today. Like, that's so, so important. That you don't think it's out of date. That it's important to you. It applies to you today. Uh, is breathed out by God. I love that imagery because God didn't sit with a pen because that's not how God operates, but he breathed scripture into people and they wrote his words. It's God breathed. I love that uh, word picture there. It's useful to your life. It's useful to you, uh, which brings us to the next verse in Joshua 1, 8. Um, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. You read the Bible, you prosper. Like this is one of the many, many promises in scripture. Like you read the Bible, you do what it says, you're going to prosper. Um, lots of people will describe the Bible as a rule book and Sure, if you want. The way I see it is, is an instruction manual. <laughs> like, he doesn't just lay out all these things because he thinks he wants to control you or whatever. God has certain things written in the Bible to direct our lives because when you do them, your life is better. Like, when you live your life um, respecting your parents, when you don't steal from people or murder people, like, it's 
better to live that way. <laughs> like, doesn't that sound obvious? Like, uh, the Bible, especially, like, some of the, the New Testament big principles that Jesus talked about that, uh, that God spoke through Paul, like, uh, love one another, cause it's gonna be better when you do that. Your life is gonna be better. It's not just so that he can control you, but he says, he wants you to read it and obey it so that you prosper. It's part of, uh, the abundant life that he wants to give you on earth. So it's not a rule book, it's an instruction manual. Here's a couple tips, uh, if you're getting into reading the Bible. Find a devotional. This is really a good gateway if you're like, I tried to open up the Bible, and I opened up to Matthew, and it said, this person was the son of this person was the son of this person for 45 pages, and so I never read it again. Like, a devotional will take you through principles, topics, themes in the Bible, and and teach you, and and it'll reword things, and it'll elaborate on things. Uh, A lot of devotionals will have a couple verses, but then a whole lot of, you know, reader commentary, and that's a great gateway into learning more about the Bible. There's a lot of stuff on on the internet. Um, she Reads Truth is something that Sam has used. A lot of girls have used. Um, there are countless books. There are podcasts galore. I listen to a bunch of like other preachers, which is a really um, it, there are other preachers in the world that are good. Like You, you know, uh, if you want a couple Elevation Church is great if you want to listen to that one. Um, Fresh Life in Montana is really, really good. Um, I just listened to a couple. North Point in Atlanta is really good uh, if you're looking for sermons to listen to on podcasts. But there's so many good ones out there. If you want book recommendations, devotional recommendations, let me know. I have some um, that I can give you. But uh, that's just one way to, to start. Uh, read the Bible slowly and with a pen. That's so, so important. When you read the Bible, um, really take in what you're reading. And I encourage you to write in your Bible. Like your this piece of paper, like it was a tree and now it's a book. Like it's not special paper that the Pope touched, right? Like this is... It was a tree. Now it's a book. Listen, the Bible is very, very important, but you can write in it. God wants, he doesn't care how you treat this book. He cares that you obey what's in it. You know, he cares that you find his love in it. So read slowly, read with a pen. Um, this is another time where journaling is great. When you journal the stuff, like, um, this is another acronym that I've used to study the Bible, SOAP. You maybe have heard of SOAP, Scripture, uh, Observation, Application, Prayer. So you look at a scripture, you read, you know, maybe a passage, and you just write down observations about it, then you write down how it applies to your life, and then you write out a prayer asking God to help you live it out, that kind of thing. Um, journaling, this is great. Uh, study a specific person in the Bible, that can help. Um, or a specific book or chapter, you know, do a study on a book, or a, Psalms and Proverbs are really good for that kind of thing. Um, look for a theme or a topic all the way through the Bible. Again, the internet is your friend. Like, if you look for, um, like, where does the Bible talk about forgiveness? Where does the Bible talk about love? Like, you can do that so, so easily uh, with the internet. Um, Again, praying the scriptures. This is, you know, kill two birds with one stone. Like, you can insert your name. and You're praying these blessings in scripture over you. Um, again, reading with friends, huge, huge, huge. Especially for me, it was when I had someone that was holding me accountable. Uh, that's really when I got serious about reading the Bible. And I still mess up. Don't you get, don't get me wrong. <laughs> like, I really do often mess up. Especially when my routine gets out of whack. Um, which right now my routine has been out of whack. So I'm like pushing back into spiritual disciplines. But read with friends because they'll help you. Stay accountable. You can help them stay accountable. It's really, really important. Um, memorizing scripture is a really, really cool thing. The Bible talks a lot about hiding his word in your heart and about knowing what he wants and what he says. Um, one of the ways I've done that is you take a verse and you write the first letter of every word on like a sticky note on your locker or on your hand. I've done that. And I memorized a bunch of verses that way. It's very, very easy. Um, and then you take it away and you're like, wow, I 
suddenly know this verse. It's really, really cool. So try that. Um, if you're, especially if you're good at memorization, it'll happen in no time. Um, change your surroundings. So like maybe if when you go home, like in your bed, you do your sleeping and your eating and your Netflixing and everything you do at home is like in the bed. You just lay on your bed and do everything. Um, maybe you need to go for a walk, find a park, climb a tree, put up a hammock uh, or a picnic table or on the grass, like change your surroundings. That may help you. Um, focus, especially focus. That works for prayer too. change your surroundings. Um, when you're reading the Bible, take notes. So, so important to figure out what it's saying to you. That's why soap is so good. Make observations, figure out how it applies to your life. Again, Google that stuff. It'll definitely help you. Um, and the last one is pray with, um, pray with others. We're talking about reading the Bible and I already said reading the Bible with others. So I don't know what that is, but reading the Bible is so, so important. And there, there's a bunch of tricks there to kind of help you make it easier, make it more consistent in your life. Um, again, doesn't God doesn't want you to feel guilty when you're getting this wrong, but he does want you to get it right. He wants to convict you and, and spur you into action into fixing it. Cause you have the opportunity to fix it. You can start tonight, start this week, work on getting this better because reading God's word is super important. This last thing, um, we've talked about praying and reading the Bible, and the third leg of the stool is maintaining Christian friendships. And this is so important. I've heard this said, show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. So cool. Show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Think about the biggest mistakes that you've made. I know that in my life, think about like the, the things that I go back to, my biggest mistakes. Um, I was... Almost, almost all of them, I was not alone. <laughs> almost all of them, I was with some people who were also making that mistake and, uh, who maybe some of them now regret it, some of them don't, but, you know, my biggest mistakes were made with my friends. Hebrews 10, 24, 25 says this, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. Now this, uh, the book of Hebrews was a, a letter and this, this letter was writing to Hebrew people, telling them how to be good Christ followers. And they said, some of you stopped hanging out with other Christ followers and you're, you're doing it wrong. Fix that. Hang out with people. Spend time with people who have the same priorities as you do. Because, show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Um, when we, when we spend time with people who are committed to those things, committed to Jesus, to being a good Christ follower, it helps us be better. It helps us encourage one another. Proverbs has a good verse about this too. 1320. It says, walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. Now, sometimes the Bible has instructions on how to, you know, figure out life. Sometimes it has observations about just things that happen when you do, like, the Bible is just interested in steering you toward a better life, and a life of abundance, a life of priorities that are correct. Um, so when you walk with wise people, when you spend your time with people who have their priorities right, you're... Uh, I read some, I just heard this yesterday in a podcast where a guy said, um, if you hang out with sex, successful people, you're going to accidentally become successful. <laughs> it just happens. It just rubs off. You become successful when you hang out with successful people. And that's the same thing for, for wise people, for people who are good Christ followers. Again, they help us be better. The, uh, walk with the wise and become wise. Good friends make us better. Bad friends make us worse. Show me your friends. I'll show you your future. So here's some friendship principles. Um, pray, pay friendship prices. And um, 
you may have to invest. Like, if you're like, there's this person that I really want to be friends with, like, you may have to be the one that steps out and says hi. Like, you may have to be the one who has to be a good friend first in order to initiate that kind of friendship. So pay friendship prices. Make an investment. If you want to have good friends, first you have to, sometimes it's first, sometimes it's after, but you have to be a good friend. If you want to have good friends, you got to be a good friend. So go where the Christians are. This is another one. Go where Christ following people are. Apex is a great family of Christian people um, that that are working towards getting our priorities straight, working towards becoming more like Jesus. Um, Find a Bible club at your school. Find a church to get involved in. Just go be where Christian people are. Um, Here's another principle that I want you to remember. Not every Christian is going to be a good friend. Um, Sometimes it's a personalities thing. Sometimes your personalities are just not going to work together, and you're going to find that even if you're trying to be friends, you're like, wow, the more time I spend with that person, the more I dislike them. Um, And sometimes it's just a personality thing. Sometimes it's because they just have some growing to do. They're like, they acknowledge that they're not perfect, (laughs) or maybe they don't acknowledge that, then they have some growing to do. Maybe they're just on a journey to look more like Jesus, much like the journey you are on. (laughs) So if you find a friend who calls themselves a Christian, who is not a good friend, extend, so like, as long as you can admit that you're not perfect, extend the same grace to them as you want them to extend to you for not being perfect. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, no, none of us are going to be perfect, so extend grace to one another. Um, they might still be growing, and you're still growing, so maybe that's why that friendship didn't work out. Um, another principle, keep praying. Like, if you feel alone, keep praying. I've heard all kinds of stories about people praying for friends, praying for, like, uh, they feel like their friendships are falling apart, or they realize, they recognize that their bad friendships are affecting them poorly. Pray for friends. I've heard that prayer answered so many times. Pray for friends. God hasn't forgotten you, and uh, keep asking him to send a friend. But if you're in this room then you have an answer to that prayer somewhere in this room. I I believe that. So look around you. Um, Because no friends is better than bad friends. So keep praying. Keep looking. um, Because God will answer it. This last one is uh, don't only talk to Christians. (laughs) Because this is not something we often talk about in a friendship sermon. But I think that it's important that we recognize that it's happening. Because if you only talk to Christians, you're missing a big part of what Jesus did. Because Jesus spent a lot of time with poor people and prostitutes and people that nobody wanted to spend time with. Um, people that didn't care about God. So like, that's something that we need to see and live. We need to spend time with people who don't prioritize God like we do. So, um, that's what evangelism is. It's, it's telling people about Jesus. Um, you can't fulfill the Great Commission, which is go into all the world, make disciples. You can't do that if you only talk to Christians. I heard a church that calls this their one life. Um, it's a language they use all in the big church, in the youth group, the uh, kids' church. They talk about who is your one life. Uh, your one life is the person that you are pouring into. You're trying to make them a disciple. Um, they have an event in this particular youth group. They have an event called One Night. And they say one night is when you invite your one life. Because this is an opportunity for you to bring that person that you're trying to get connected with Jesus into an atmosphere that's going to be fun. It's going to be evangelism-oriented. So think about that. Who is that for you? Who is that one life for you that you are pouring into that you are not only talking to Christians, because if you're doing that, you're missing a big piece of the Bible. So who is your one life? The person you're intentionally discipling. The person that you're inviting to church over and over and over and over again. <laughs> who is that person for you? 
there should be people in your life that you care about that don't know Jesus because Jesus did that. So um, that should be important to us as well. Healthy Christian friendships are so important to a walk with Jesus. Um, so hang out with people that make you better. Hang out with people that have um, Jesus as a priority. Uh, make, they'll make you a better person, a better Christ follower, uh, just better. They'll make you better. Um, so spend time with those people because it certainly pays off. So the stuff we've talked about tonight is it, it's basic, but it isn't easy. And, and I understand that. And I'm still working through this. Like I said, right now I'm, I'm fighting to get myself back into some of my um, consistent um, spiritual disciplines. So this is stuff that you'll probably work on forever, but we need to, to understand, to take the time to start. Like we need to make sure that we make this a priority. So tonight I'm ending with you with a challenge um, for you to get on the right path toward making these spiritual disciplines a part of your life. This three-legged stool, like if you have two, like that stool's going to fall over. <laughs> so like think, if you got two down, what can you do to make that third leg keep you up? So for prayer, if you don't pray, if you don't pray ever, start by praying before you go to bed tonight. So what can you do? Just start. It doesn't have to be huge. Just start. If you pray occasionally, get a system so you can pray consistently. Um, find out a, a Get an acronym for you to pray through. Get a schedule for you to pray through. Figure out some way to pray consistently. In reading your Bible, if you don't ever do that, before you go to bed tonight, read two Psalms. Like a lot of the Psalms, well, don't make them some of them because they're like real, like days to read. But like some of those Psalms, like fit on your phone screen. <laughs> like some Psalms are super short. Read two before you go to bed tonight. Um, if you read occasionally, sporadically, find a reading plan or or get. A friend to read with you, hold you accountable to read the Bible. Get consistent in your reading Bible. With Christian friendships, um, take a long, hard look at who you spend time with. Um, figure out who is influencing you. Um, maybe um, if they're, if your friends are making you better, figure that out. Are the people that you're spending the most time with, are you making you better? Or are they making you worse? It is a whole lot easier for a negative person to bring you down than for a positive person to bring you up. So I think that there needs to be not a balance, but it needs to be a weighted balance where you're spending way more time with Christian people than with people who are going to bring you down. Um, so, so take that evaluation. Evaluate who you're spending your time with and the influence they're having on you. Evaluate where you are and the way that your closest relationships are steering you. Make the necessary changes. Small group conversation tonight uh, is going to be about this stuff. So I hope you feel conviction. I hope you feel conviction and not guilt um, to change some of this stuff in your life. Make some changes to be more consistent and obedient with these these the three-legged stool in the areas of prayer, Bible reading, and maintaining Christian friendship. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to go into small groups. Jesus, thank you so much for your word, for what we can learn from your word, for your voice in our lives, so we can pray to you for your care, that you care for the things that we pray for, God. We thank you that you have an open ear. Whenever we pray, you hear us, you care what we say, God. For your word, that is an instruction manual that will help us live better and be better, God. And I thank you for this family um, that of Christian friends that are here that are uh, excited about maintaining Christian friendships and bringing people up. With us, help us to bring people closer to you because we're working toward you together. Um, so, God, as we do that, I pray other people are latching on, getting connected to Christian friendships, so that we can um, bring people as we get closer to you, Father. Thank you. I pray you bless our conversations tonight as we discuss this, dig a little bit deeper. We love you. It's in your precious name, we pray. Amen.